The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. It's really great. It's really awesome for me to be able to be here uh, with you this morning. It's kind of a little bit of a surreal experience to be up here. This is my first time getting to come and share uh, in Cairn Chapel. And for many years, as you've heard, I sat right where you're sitting right now. I was kind of doing a little bit of math in the week leading up to this and thinking, like, how many times have I sat in those seats where you are? And it's probably around, like, 350 times over my four years here that I shared these same seats that you're in right now. I started in 97 when it was Philadelphia College of Bible, uh, but by the time I graduated, it was Philadelphia Biblical University, uh, and now here we are at Cairn University. So you hear a little bit about me in terms of the roles that I have. I have, uh, you know, I'm a part-time youth pastor at a church in Central Bucks County, Grace Community Church, a place called Chalfont. Um, I'm not sure how many of you would have heard of that little, little town up there, but um, also my full-time role as working as a, the supervisor of clinical services at Lakeside School. And Lakeside is an alternative school that works with uh, students who, for a variety of reasons, have had a difficult time being successful uh, in sort of your typical school setting. Um, and I know we have some people probably here in our audience today who have served at uh, Lakeside as interns, um, and it's been, that's been a great experience. We love our Karen interns who come and work with us and help share the load uh, with us. But just in short, like, I have a lot of different roles. I wear a lot of different hats in my life. You know, there's obviously the hat of the past, the hat of a pastor. I have kids, so I have, I have the hat of like a husband and a father to my two children. Um, and I have this hat of working for many years in the mental health world. Uh, I work prior to my time at Lakeside, I spent 10 years work running the mobile crisis programs for Bucks and Montgomery counties, working with kids and families in crisis all throughout uh, those two counties, responding to mental health crisis situations. And it's this intersection of faith and mental health that is kind of the driving force behind uh, what I'd like us to spend some time talking about this morning. But what I don't want this to be is I don't want this to be just you hearing from me this morning. I'd like to hear from you this morning, and I'd like to give you the opportunity to hear from each other this morning. <clears throat> so you had a little bit of an opportunity to get to know me. I'd like to start that off by me getting the opportunity to get to know you a little bit this morning. So throughout our time this morning, I'm actually going to throw some questions out there to you, and I'm going to ask you to use your phones to actually answer some of those questions and um, just give me the opportunity to hear from you and also get you, give you the opportunity to hear from each other. So what I'd like to ask you to do right now is I'd like to ask you to go ahead and take out your phones. I know it's kind of a weird thing. I'm being asked to take out my phone during chapel. Usually I'm being pestered to put my phone away during chapel, but we're all adults here, so I'm gonna trust you uh, to go ahead and handle that appropriately. And what I'd like you to do is open up your browser, and when you open up your browser, I'd like you to, to go to the URL on the screen that you see right now. <clears throat> or if you are really cool, you can open up your QR code reader and just scan that little QR code, and that's going to take you right to where you need to go uh, in your browser. And you should, when you get to that link, it should give you a little thing that says something like waiting for presenter to start poll uh, or something along those lines. You should have that message. 
give everybody a few seconds to get there while I pace around awkwardly up here for, for a minute. All right, I'm guessing that most of you are probably there right now. If you're not there, then I'm sorry. I don't know what to do to help you. Maybe you can put in a tech support ticket or something. Um, but so I don't know if you've ever played the would you rather game, but I'm going to get to know you a little bit by asking you a few would you rather questions. So first question I want to start us off with is this. Would you rather, if I gave you the option, would you rather have one wish granted right now, or would you rather have 10 wishes granted in 10 years? One wish granted right now, or 10 wishes granted in 10 years? You know, I've asked this question a few times to a few different audiences, and I'm always kind of impressed with the number of people who have that ability to kind of delay gratification um, and go for those 10 wishes in, uh, in 10 years. I probably should have clarified, though, all of you who are going for the one wish granted now, you're not allowed to wish for more wishes. Sorry. Oh, you thought you could beat the system, and you lost. So, all right, next question. Would you rather be able to fly, or would you rather be able to turn invisible? Would you rather be able to fly, or would you rather be able to turn invisible? <clears throat> wow. I've never seen invisibility win before. <laughs> All right, you know, I always worry a little bit about the people who choose invisibility because I really wonder what it is that you really want to do while invisible. So if you're looking on to somebody else and you're seeing them choose invisibility, keep your eye on them because they want to do shady things. So, <laughs> All right. Last question for this round here. Would you rather be three feet taller than you are right now or three feet shorter than you are right now? Would you rather be three feet taller than you are right now or three feet shorter than you are right now? <coughs> wow. <laughs> so it looks like <laughs> we would have a lot of giants walking around campus. <laughs> and just a small amount of wee folk walking around campus. All right. So you can go ahead and you can go ahead and keep that browser window open. Um, and because I'm gonna, throughout our time together, I'm gonna throw some other questions out there, more serious questions uh, for you to answer. Because as we talk about this issue of mental health, you know, I'm sure you've been in audiences, in groups before where you've had somebody talk to you about this topic, at least I hope that you have. But one thing that never, usually doesn't happen is that we don't really get to get a sense of what are the thoughts and experiences really of the community of people that I'm a part of. And that's what I really want to have some time where you for you to get a sense of what are you thinking about this topic? What are you experiencing? And what are the people around you experiencing when we're talking about this topic of mental health? So as we talk about this, you know, there's a phrase that gets bantered about quite a bit. You know, and oftentimes we see this phrase, you know, accompanying some kind of funny image or sometimes people use it as a hashtag, um, and it's usually meant to just use to describe a situation when something in our, is happening in our life or the life of somebody else that's not really going how we would like it to go. Um, and that phrase is this, the phrase, maybe you've used this, the struggle is real, 
right? Where, you know, something isn't quite going the way I hoped it would go. So we share that in some form and we use this phrase to kind of follow it. The struggle is real. Now, usually when we use this phrase, we're not talking about something that's really all that serious. Usually we use it to describe something that's kind of insignificant, but we're kind of making light of it. Usually it accompanies some tweets that look a little bit like this. Like poor Andrea here, who says, I can't get my Bitmoji to look like me for the life of me. The struggle is real. I mean, you got to feel for Andrea a little bit because, you know, getting those Bitmojis exactly the way you want them. I know for me, I can never really quit quite the right level of baldness uh, to really capture my true essence. Um, and then poor Annam here who says, everyone's either getting married or having babies, and I'm here just trying to find something to watch on Netflix. You know, you got to feel for Annam. And Kim, I mean, Kim almost hit a curb trying to find and unwrap the straw for her smoothie. Um, it's tough. And then Bailey, who has some big life goals. One of the things on my bucket list is to get more likes uh, than my cat on Instagram. You know, it's good to have goals. Uh, hopefully you have lofty goals for your life, like Bailey. But, you know, we say this to be funny. We use that phrase to be funny, we, where we talk about something that really isn't all that much of a struggle, but we put it out there as if it is. But there's something that I hope that you know. There's something that I know, and that is the fact that being a follower of Christ, or really just being a human being in the world today, means that real struggle is real. And that struggle, can, you know, struggle in our life can take a wide variety of forms. It can look a lot of different ways, and one of those forms that, it's, that we will all experience at some point in our lives is the form of a mental health struggle. But for some reason, especially in Christian communities, we don't, we, we, expect a cert, we, we expect certain types of struggle, but we don't oftentimes expect mental health struggle in Christian communities. And it's not something that really gets talked about a whole lot in Christian communities. But it needs to be talked about. And I hope that if you, this hasn't been a topic of conversation for you yet, whether amongst your social group or in your congregation or wherever, whatever Christian communities you are a part of, I hope that that hasn't happened yet, that this is the start of a conversation for you because this needs to be talked about. And it needs to be talked about for a variety of reasons. The first of these reasons is this. We all experience mental health. Every single one of you in this room right now as I speak is experiencing mental health. Now, when we hear that term mental health, we might get a wide variety of images may jump into our mind. You know, it could be images around maybe things that we've seen in movies, or, we're thinking, or we get the image of, you know, somebody restrained in a psychiatric hospital, or, you know, some, so, you know, something that's really scary, or something that's really dangerous, or something that's really rare, and only impacts a select few people. And that's so far from the truth, because reality is we all experience mental health. So before we even move on, I think it'd be helpful for us to really be clear on what it is that we're talking about when we're talking about this phrase mental health and when we're talking about the phrase mental health struggle, okay? Because uh, we oftentimes uh, have some really skewed perspectives. And just to put it in some plain, simple language, first, mental health. 
when we're talking about mental health, we're basically talking about your level of well-being in regards to your thoughts, beliefs, and feelings. Um, so thoughts, feelings, and beliefs about yourself, your relationships, and the world around you. <clears throat> Every single one of you right now is, has some level of well-being around these things. That means you're experiencing some level of mental health right now, just like you're experiencing some level of physical health right now. Maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling really energized and ready to go. Maybe you had a really good night's sleep last night and you're like, I'm ready, I'm ready to take on the world, bring on my classes, I'm ready to go. Maybe <laughs> some of you aren't feeling that way. Maybe you're like, I stayed up way too late last night. I did not get enough coffee this morning. I am barely keeping my eyes open. I have no idea what this guy is talking about right now. Maybe that's how you're feeling, but you're, or somewhere in between, hopefully a little bit more towards the first one. But you're feeling some level of physical health. You're feeling some level of mental health right now. Now, when we're talking about a mental health struggle, basically what we're talking about is some state of disruption in that level of well-being that impacts your ability to carry out daily activities and engage in satisfying relationships. So this is what we're talking about when we're talking about mental health. So get away from the image of the psychiatric hospital, get away from the image of the scary things that you see in movies, because this is what we're talking about when we're talking about mental health. And the reality is we all experience it in some form, just like we all experience physical health. But you know what the big difference is between mental health and physical health? Well, there's a lot of differences, but the main difference in terms of how we respond to it, chances are, you know, we all have an understanding that physical health is something that we need to manage in some sense. You know, if you're sick, you go to the doctor. If you have some sort of infection, like strep throat or something like that, you go to the doctor, you get some antibiotics, you take it, it gets treated, and you get better. You break a leg, you go to the emergency room, you get a cast put on your leg. We know that when we have physical health struggles, we need to do something about them. We don't have that perspective when it comes to mental health struggles oftentimes. When we have mental health struggles, all of a sudden there's all this shame and embarrassment uh, and stigma that gets heaped onto us because we can't admit that I'm struggling with some really significant depression or really significant anxiety or some other really significant mental health issue. I'd like that you take your phones out again. I'm going to throw another question out there to you. <clears throat> so... How many of you would say true or false to this? I have things I intentionally do to care for my physical health, meaning like I'm sick, I go to the doctor, I take some medicine. Maybe you have an irregular exercise regimen that you take part in. Maybe you, you know, keep an eye on the things that you eat. <clears throat> but what you do something, some aspect of your life where you have something that you do intentionally to care for yourself physically, to make sure that you are at least in some sense physically healthy and physically functional. 90%, like a huge majority of people here in this room, you have the understanding, like, when, I, when I, I need to do something to manage my physical health. Now, how many of you in this room would say you have things that you intentionally do, intentionally do, to care for your mental health? Meaning, when I'm struggling, I do something about it, I acknowledge it, I reach out for help. You know, I'm really glad to see that there's a, large, there's a majority of you here in this room that would say that, that you have things that you intentionally do to care for your, your mental health. Um, but as we see, it's, a, it's a, certainly a, a smaller majority because this set tends to be something that is not something that we like to pay a lot of attention to. 
And when I am struggling with a mental health issue, a mental health struggle, I feel, oftentimes we feel like we're going to be perceived in a certain way if we acknowledge that to other people. So we have this innate understanding that um, when I struggle physically, I need to do something about it. But when it comes to our mental health, oftentimes it's not something that we do something about. The next reason, so we all experience mental health, the reason why we need to be talking about it. Next reason why this needs to be a topic of conversation is this. The church, Christian communities, historically has not handled mental health all that well. Now, we are in a time right now where the church is making a lot of progress in the area of mental health. So conversations are starting to happen. You know, you, having this conversation in a chapel service is great. We've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go as a Christian community, as a community of faith when it comes to the issue of mental health. You know, mental health for many years in the history of the church was treated purely as a spiritual issue. And that's taken a, a variety of different forms. Often, you know, it's taken the form of mental illness as being looked at as demonic influence or possession uh, over the years. It's taken the form of mental illness or mental health struggle look, being looked at as purely an issue of sin in somebody's life, that it's just something that you, you just need to, you know, spend more time praying. You just need to focus on God more. You just need to get right with God. And, you know, this, all this mental health stuff will just take care of itself if you just focus on God. There are schools of Christian counseling that exist today that basically treat mental health struggles as sin issues, that there is sin that you need to get right with God in order to address these mental health issues. And if you're here today and you're thinking, well, you know, I don't know if this really seems like it's a reality today, maybe, you know, 20, 30 years ago. This is a tweet from the Desiring God Twitter account, which is a pretty popular blog and Twitter account that, you know, a lot of Christians follow where he says, we will find mental health when we stop staring in the mirror and fix our eyes on the strength and beauty of God. Now, you might read that and think, all right, sounds somewhat reasonable. And certainly, making a shift in our lives from a self-centered perspective to a God-centered perspective is a good shift for us to make in our lives. And certainly, making that shift would probably have a positive impact on our mental health. But the problem here is that this quote boils down mental health into this really sim overly simplistic thing that if we just focus on God, uh, that, all, that mental health issues will just be solved. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a spiritual aspect of mental health, and I think our spiritual health is a strong, has a strong influence on our level of mental health. But mental health is not just a spiritual issue. There's a physical, biological, emotional, and psychological components to mental health that need to be addressed as well. And the church, looking at mental health as a purely spiritual issue, has caused people really to be steered away <clears throat> from some real vital supports that those people really could have benefited from. And people have been harmed by Christian communities because of the response that we've had to mental health over the years. Now, that's sort of the bad news. But the good news is this, that the church has huge potential to be a catalyst for a changed conversation around mental health. If I were to ask you to give me a list of words, I'm not going to, don't raise your hand, don't shout things out. So, but if I were to ask you to give me a list of words 
that, you, that our culture uses, our culture and our society use to describe people with mental health issues or with mental illnesses, that list might, would probably look something like this. Words like crazy, insane, psycho, dangerous, scary, nuts, these are all these commonly used words. You know, that person's crazy. That person's insane. What are they talking about? You know, these are the commonly used words in our society, in our culture, to talk about people who are having a mental health struggle. Now, if you're somebody with a mental health struggle, and you know that if I identify myself as struggling in, with some form of mental illness or some form of mental health struggle, and these are the words that people are going to attach to me, how likely would it be for you to want to acknowledge that? Probably not very. Now, if I were to ask you to come up with a list of words that our culture or society uses, people, uses to describe people who have a significant medical diagnosis, like something like cancer, the types of words that you would hear are this. Hero, fighter, survivor, strong, inspiration, courageous, or brave. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to take anything away from people who, have, who are struggling with a significant medical diagnosis like cancer. They are brave. They are strong. You, they are survivors. They should be looked up to. They should be supported in every possible way. But these words are words that can also and should also be used to describe people who are struggling with a mental illness or with a mental health struggle that acknowledge it and reach out for support. They should be looked at. Somebody that's suffering from debilitating depression or anxiety, and they acknowledge it, and they fight through it every day, and they reach out for the support that they need, and they seek to continue to serve others and be engaged in community. Those people are strong, stronger than you know, braver than you know, and we need to look at them that way. What if that second column of words were words that became connected with mental health struggles in our church community? perhaps we'd see a lot of changes happen. Perhaps half of all people with mental health struggles wouldn't wait more than 10 years to access help as what's happening now. Right now, half of all people with mental illness delay getting help for 10 years or more right now. Perhaps that would change if the way we talked about it changed. Perhaps people who struggle would feel the freedom to be open about those struggles within their church community. Reach out for prayer or practical support. Not feel the need to isolate themselves from their community of faith. When I'm struggling mentally or emotionally, the church should be the place I feel the most welcomed, the most accepted, the most encouraged, and the most loved. But while work has been done, I'm not sure that that's really the current state of things. When it comes to the issue of mental health, we as believers, and I'm not saying everybody, but there's a tendency that still exists within Christian communities to live in one of two bubbles. And these bubbles become like these force fields that nothing can penetrate and that impact and skew the way we view things around us. The first bubble is this, that mental health struggles could not or should not impact my life because fill in the blank. You know, and a wide variety of things can go into that blank. Mental health struggles should not impact my life because I'm a faithful Christian. I trust God with my life. 
So if I am following God closely, then I shouldn't have mental health struggles. Or I'm connected to my church community. I shouldn't have mental health struggles. Or I have had a really good life. My family, I had a really good family growing up. I didn't have a lot of difficulties. So I shouldn't have mental health struggles. This is the bubble that we live in. That, and we believe a lot of times, this belief persists, even though we know we should expect some level of struggle, the belief persists that if I'm a faithful Christian, I shouldn't have a mental health struggle. But I know you know this because you're here, you're studying scripture every day, that some of the biggest heroes of our faith have come to some pretty dark times in their lives. Have a look. Moses, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me if I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. Elijah. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And moving on to the New Testament, Paul, where he wrote in 2 Corinthians, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Three of the biggest members of what we would call the Faith Hall of Fame came to points in their lives where they prayed for their own deaths. We know this. We've read this. But somehow the belief still persists in Christian communities that if I'm a faithful Christian, I shouldn't be vulnerable to mental health or emotional struggles. They were not immune, we are not immune, and these struggles don't mean that we are weak or there is something wrong with us. It means we're human and we've come to a point in life where we need some support. The second bubble that we tend to live in is this. If I am struggling, I'm all alone in that struggle because Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. So if I am struggling, there's something wrong with me and I am all alone. You look around you, and you get this feeling that everyone else is living this perfect life, everything seems to be going well, without a care in the world, and you feel all alone. You know, I could stand up here, and I can rattle off statistics to you about the reality of mental health struggles. Things like one in four people will have a diagnosable mental illness in their lives. I could talk about how the reality is that, you know, suicide is the second leading cause of death for people your age in our county, uh, right here, but that does not change the reality of your experience. So I'd like to ask you some questions. Take your phones out, and I want you to keep in mind a couple things, that these questions are anonymous. I don't know where, you know, I don't have access to your phone or anything like that, and if you just kind of shield your phone from the people next to you, nobody else is going to know what it is that you said. But the question I want to ask you is this. How many of you in this room, have you ever felt sad or anxious to the point where it was difficult to carry out normal daily activities? Take a look. Over 90, around 90% of you right now as these votes are coming in. 
And remember what we talked about, what a mental health struggle is, a disruption in your level of well-being where it's difficult to carry out daily activities or engage in satisfying relationships. Nine out of ten of you in this room at some point in your life have come to the point where you've experienced, a, that, you've experienced that. You've experienced a mental health struggle. So if you're here in this room, no, nine out of ten of the people in this room either have had or are having this, the same level of experience. You are not alone. Next question. Have you known somebody who has either died by suicide or has attempted to take their own life? Take a look at this. Again, hovering around 90% of you that has known somebody that where mental health has impacted your life or your family or your friends so much to the point where somebody has either died by suicide or attempted to take their own life. 85% of you. Almost, again, almost 9 out of 10 of you in this room. Last question I want to ask you. And again, this is all anonymous. Keep your phones private. Have you ever had thoughts of ending your own life? Take a look. Over 60% of you in this room right now as those votes are coming in. Hovering right around 62, 63% of you in this room at some point in your life are either saying yes or maybe that I have thought about the possibility of ending my life. Think mental health struggles are rare? Think people in Christian communities should not struggle? Think they don't struggle? I mean, you're, you're here at Bible, you know, at Bible, at university studying the Bible. I'm guessing most of you in this room take your faith pretty seriously. It is not true that people of faith should not struggle. So I hope as you saw those numbers come in, I hope a couple of realities stick out to you. First, I hope the reality that we're not immune to mental health struggles and we are not alone in our struggles. Paul writes in the next verse from that, uh, that passage that we read earlier where he was talking about despairing of, li- of his life, he said, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by our prayers. God desires to be a source of hope to us, and God desires to use the body of Christ as a conduit for that hope. So if you're struggling, don't do it in silence. Know that your struggle doesn't mean that you are somehow less than as a Christian and that there's a community of people that desire to be a conduit of hope for you. And there are supports available right here in your school, on your campus, you have mental health supports. I know you have the Oasis Counseling Center right here that's available. Use those resources that are available to you. Don't let shame or embarrassment keep you from it. And I pray that you'll use those resources and I pray that we will commit to be a community that supports one another. But what can this look like? What does it look like to be the church to people who are struggling with mental health issues? 
And I'm hoping that, you know, I want to spend just the last little bit of our time together talking about this. And as we talk about what it can look like to be the church, I just like to use this acronym TALK. For what it can look like for us to commit to be a support, to be the church to people. The first is that people who struggle need someone to tell. They need somebody to communicate with about their struggles. But what that means, if you're going to be somebody to tell, is that you need to be somebody who can be told about struggles. That means we listen non-judgmentally. We don't try to fix people or solve their problems. And maybe we also even proactively check in with each other and really want to hear how people are doing. And A, people who struggle need someone to accept them as they are. Let people know it's okay to not be okay. It is okay for you to not feel good. It's so you don't have to be okay every single second of every single day. And that if I'm going to be your friend, I'm going to communicate that to you, that it's okay for you not to be okay. People who struggle need someone to help link them to community and support. People who struggle with mental health oftentimes will isolate themselves. We need to be continually inviting people into the full participation of the community of faith and encourage them to link to the support that they need. And lastly, people who struggle sometimes need help to keep safe. As we heard, you know, I put that question out there about suicide. You know, suicide is real and thoughts of suicide are real and thoughts of suicide are common. If we hear somebody expressing something to us that is very concerning or if somebody is acting in a way that is very concerning to us. We cannot keep that secret. We need to communicate. We need to make sure that somebody gets involved that can help that person access the next level of help. And when we commit to do these things, we fulfill what Scripture says, like in Galatians chapter 6, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So, as we wrap up our time this morning, I'm going to ask you, if, you're, if this is something that you're willing to commit to, if you want this community here on this campus to be a place that's a place of support, that's a place of acceptance, that's a place of caring community for people who struggle, especially with mental health issues, I'd like to ask you to share that. So, you know, you had your phones out earlier. You can take your phones out again. Take a minute. If you're somebody that wants to commit. I'm going to ask that you share this, not just today, but regularly, that you, and you know, use some of your social media platforms, and you, I, you put this hashtag up here for you to use as somebody that is, to identify yourself as somebody that desires to be a support to people around you. And don't just, and share this, but not just today. Share it over and over and over and over again. That you, so you are regularly reminding people, the people around you, the people in your community, the people in your social circles, the people here on this campus, that you desire to be a person that wants to love and support people who are struggling. And I just threw that up there as an example of something. You know, if you're someone who's struggling, I'm somebody who's ready to talk at Cairn. You know, take a picture of yourself and your friends and post it with that hashtag. And just regularly remind people around you through any avenue that you have that you are somebody that's ready to talk and desires to be a support to the people around you. 
Real quick as we close, I just want to put, with, I just want to close with a couple of, re, with some resources. That if you're somebody that wants more information about these things that we've talked about, and you want to learn more about being a supportive community or being a supportive individual, there are several trainings that are out there that are available. Mental Health First Aid is a training that we've run here at Karen for the last three years. It's been really great around helping people with mental health struggles and mental health crisis. Intersect is an initiative of access services, which specifically is des you know, designed to talk about the intersection of faith and mental health. Dave Eckert, another alumni from uh, Karen University runs that and his contact information is up there and they do trainings for congregations around mental health and assist in QPR, a couple of other trainings that are available around suicide intervention. I'm gonna leave those, that information up there as I close, um, but I pray that each and every one of you here will have that desire to commit to be a support to one another and seek to get more information and more tools and more resources about how you can go about being a support to each other. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for the opportunity that we have to gather together and share the common bond of our relationship with you. And we're so thankful for the unique opportunity and ability that we have to care for one another through the Holy Spirit that resides in us and works in us and, and leads us and teaches us and molds us, God. I pray that you would help us to continue, that this wouldn't be a one-off conversation, that this would be a continual conversation that would be had in, the, in all of these students' various communities, and that they would continually remind each other that they desire to be a person that's available to support one another, and that they would use the resources that they have when they are struggling, God. And we thank you for making those resources and making those tools available to us, and we thank you for the work that you desire to do in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.